0: Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available. Built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology, and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care.
0: Welcome to episode 137 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Dr. Ray Painter. And in today's episode, we wanted to discuss uh, a question that came in. When your EMR and coder coder disagree, what do you do? So if you have two conflicting answers, uh, what do you do? Ray, you want to kind of... Set that up, set the stage. Why do you think that's being asked, and how can we help?
2: Well, Scott, that is a very far-reaching question, and it hey. uh, yes, it is. And it digs down to the very depth of of the entire issue we're dealing with, because the system has become very, very specific and detailed and it's important to understand the issues. And when I say it's not an unusual question is, you know, the, the EMRs give you the suggested code, they give you a suggested ICD-10 code. Well, the you've heard a lot of discussion on AI recently, And the big thing you're hearing is garbage in and garbage out. Well, it depends on how your EMR has been programmed as to how detailed and how precise and how accurate the codes are. And we do a lot of audits and we see there's still a lot of of inaccurate codes picked. Particular after the, the new system has gone in. Uh, and so you should use your EMR as a suggested code. That puts you in the ballpark, but it may not be picking the right seat for you. So uh, let's start with that. And now your coder uh We have found out as we do in our billing service and as we've hired coders to help us with coding and to help us with our hotlines that a title or credential doesn't necessarily denote knowledge. Uh, We've come to treat it as a a credential coder like a CPC or one of the many others is sort of like uh, an individual having gone to medical school. They have a lot of the basic knowledge and it's very important to have that knowledge. But you still have to get the practical training like we as physicians had to do with our internship and residency. So now when we hire a new CPC coder, And as you will note, all CPC coders have an A on their uh, credentials for the first two years. And that's there for a reason, because they're not ready for prime time. They need the experience of having looked at uh, codes, having had the experience of coding, having the experience of running up against a question they didn't know the answer to and doing the research and finding it, et cetera, et cetera. So when we hire a coder into our billing service, for the first year or so, we hire them as a billing associate where they can do things that anyone can do, like input codes uh, into the billing and do certain billing check-in uh, the EOBs, et cetera, while they attend our coding course and have their work audited. So uh, I can't answer the question, who do you trust? I don't know what <laughs> your expertise is. From my own personal experience of
0: my journey to learn coding which I've shared on the podcast before. You know, started about three or four years ago, when uh, when I got a question that that I should have been able to answer, but I hadn't had the proper training. Even though I'm one of the architects of the data of coding today, and I know where all the codes come from, I know all the anatomy, the all, all that stuff. I have all that. I had all that base knowledge. And probably knew the codes and the coding data better than most out there. But yet I couldn't answer a relatively simple coding question. And that's what started me on my journey. And that that right there was one of the things that um, really helped me understand the journey of coders and, and gerologists learning this and and I think it's complicated and and complex with all the rules and all the gray areas, um. You know, at least it, it appeared more than straightforward to me. And I think it that's why we have that's why it does take time and practice. So not only learning the concepts, but also, as you mentioned, practicing. And that's what we do with our um our our newly hired CPCs, as we put them into our system, we really you know give them that practice. And that's what really helped me out. So once I went through our coding course and understood the concepts, I still wasn't a a great coder because I hadn't practiced. So I think that's that's a key thing that um, you, when you're asking the question, Who do you trust?' you do have to look at where they are in their journey of uh, their coding knowledge.
2: Very good, Scott. And I was just going to – I'm glad you mentioned the coding course because one of the reasons we created the coding course is to take the coding knowledge to the next level because it's one thing knowing the rules – And the other is to understand the concepts and uh, how you apply the rules. And you've heard me tell the story in the past that early in the game, I hired a a coding specialist that had worked for the medical society and, and she was well known for being a good coder. Well, she could spout the rules down to a T. I mean, I've never seen anybody knew the rules any better, but we brought her in and put her into running the ACS hotline, uh, the American College of Surgeon hotline. She was stymied. She did not understand how to apply the rules. So... We, we, at that point in time, was not prepared to spend the time in teaching that, so we had to let her go and hire someone else. But that brings us to what everybody should know. Anybody that's attended our seminar has probably seen what we call the Wheel of Fortune, which is the 20 steps it takes that have to be done precisely and accurately in order to submit a clean claim. And it starts with things the front office does, collecting information, et cetera, co uh, pre-authorizations, and all of that. But then there's four things that the physician or the provider should really be knowledgeable enough about to do their part and uh, be sure that you accurately identify the services that are provided, that the documentation for each service is complete, and document the circumstances. And I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. And be able to accurately communicate that to your coders. Now, if you have a provider that has done that, and this is what we try to really emphasize in in the course we have, and it's important whether you're a provider or you're a coder to understand all of this because each of these steps are critical to picking the right code. Identifying, yeah, anybody can identify the service, but you need to identify each service provided And you need to be sure the documentation shows not only the fact that you provided that service, but also the reason for that service. And now that's where the circumstances come in. Because particularly if you're in a a procedure that you have done several procedures at the same encounter, the reason for each one of those procedures is what's going to dictate whether you get paid for it or whether it's going to be considered a part of the primary procedure. The same thing in the office. You you may have multiple services that... Uh, in some cases, you should get paid for all those services and other cir- circumstances or such that you shouldn't. That's the reason you have bundles, and that's the reason some can be a, removed with a modifier and some can't. And you got to get your communication straight between the provider and the coder. And, yeah, it's all done electronic now, but you want to be sure it's accurate. And we... In auditing charts, a lot of the documentation is totally confusing. the way it's uh, uh you're allowed to bring forward and and then add new stuff and what's done and what's not so you need to be sure all of that is straightforward so anybody that looks at that chart will know what to do so Yes, everybody on the team has to do their part, and you have to know how to do your part if you are going to be totally successful. And this that I've discussed here is part of the secret sauce that we use It's part of our protocol that when we take over billing for a practice, the reason we have been able to increase the income on the average of about ten to twenty percent, and sometimes even greater by paying attention to the detail and being sure everybody does their part,
0: yeah, and I think you mentioned uh, you know that the provider or you know the urologist or the urology APP. It, it really has to be knowledgeable about the concepts of coding and well, how things get paid and what modifiers need to be used because no one knows what goes on in the room where it happened unless you're in that room. And that's the provider or the whoever's providing the services needs to communicate what what happened in that room. But not just from a clinical standpoint but also have to you have to be knowledgeable enough about the rules and the modifiers so you can send the signals in the documentation or you know not even signals you know you send the communication in the documentation that this did take longer or this was significant and separately identifiable you need to be able to communicate in that documentation and it not only has to be communicated to your team and be clear to your team, but also an outside auditor looking at that. So you can't have your internal jargon that you're using that may not be clear to an external auditor. So it has to be very clear and clear enough for not only your team, but also somebody else that may be reviewing it and deciding whether that is uh,
2: documented and and, Scott, uh, one other thing I think we ought to mention at this point when we were talking about the coders, you know, we have the coding course for coders, too, to take them that next level to go through that internship and residency uh, online by uh, taking the coding course, going through the different uh, Uh, quizzes that we have in there to test the knowledge doing the scenarios and proving to themselves and can prove to the others and we've been asked about uh, providing some sort of of documentation of their expertise and we're in discussion about exactly what that recognition should be but we are going to do it it's because it Taking that to the next level is like going through an internship in a residency. And to be a urologist, you have to have that credentials. And we think coders deserve the same thing.
0: Yeah, and you'd mentioned going through the scenarios and and doing those things. And I think that is what I found in my own experience of learning uh, coding and really Becoming a good urology coder, that that really going through the scenarios and and what we've put together and what we've this what we've proven works well is consistent practice and practice using real world scenarios with the correct answer. So so there's a lot of there's several pieces in there. And and what we've decided, or what we've proven, is and what works really well is a deep dive into a concept. So and what we've set up is a monthly deep dive into a different urology coding concept that that really needs to be explored. So we dive deep into that with a with a presentation or a masterclass, a, a webinar, and and then follow that up with a month's worth worth of real life scenarios that you can test yourself by taking the quiz and just take it on a weekly basis and if you don't understand go back and review the information in the coding course review the information in our master class but that's what's really worked and that that really worked for me personally in this in this journey of mastering coding
2: well scott we got Deep into the detail here, but back to a, a, answering the original question. Yes. If you don't yeah. know the answer, and you've got a conflict between your coder and your EMR, and you've got a, a complicated coding issue, where do you go for the answer? Well, you you go to somebody else. It, coding is not uh, an exact science in that there's always new new procedures, new technology, new information changes to the system, etc. So ask somebody that does know you know Scott and I uh, do a lot of uh, coding answer questions and we have somebody that uh, some that we don't understand you know particular, New stuff, we go to Mark because Mark does keep up with all the new technology and all the latest rules. Are we? Scott also has a sister that works for the STS and she is extremely knowledgeable too. Uh, You may have others in your system, but if you don't, why then we love to hit to tackle those tough questions. So we have an opportunity in in PRS for you to ask that question as well. And when you ask that question to us, it gets well vetted uh, by us, researched, or through our coding uh, uh, group that we have that discuss things on a weekly basis. So... If you don't know the answer, go to a higher set of knowledge, wherever that might be for you. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that everything we're talking about, and we talked about how we can improve a practice income by applying these rules. We have several, many testimonies to show That even if you are an employed physician, by developing the knowledge and by working with your coding team, that you may not even know who they are now, but you'll find they're perfectly willing to work with you that has improved income, saved time, and it's well worth your time to become knowledgeable.
0: All right, well, let's end this episode here. Uh, Ray, what are your final thoughts on uh, on everything today?
2: Well, it's it's a complicated or detailed system, and a little knowledge goes a long way, and uh, and and everybody needs to do their part, and and so assess the knowledge and use it
0: all right well and i think a lot of our uh listeners out there you all have started in this uh journey or you're down the road in the journey and you understand how important that is that's why you're listening to this podcast and uh and a lot of that discussion today was really emphasizing Probably, what you maybe suspected already know, but we really wanted to 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 answer that question and go through the the details of the why behind it. and and hopefully, uh, hopefully that was helpful. We want to uh, end that here. Thank you, ModMed, for sponsoring this podcast. We want to give a shout out to ModMed if you want to. Uh, check out their information they do have a special for our PRS network uh, mem- members, our podcast listeners if you go to modmed.com forward slash PRS network there is a uh, special for for our audience ok take us out Ray happy coding thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Paulo Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label,
1: Juice.